Welcome to Stories of COVID, the interview project that explores what it's like to experience a global pandemic. I never thought I would see this in my lifetime. It is scary and it's very real, but it's not hopeless. As I said, I changed three planes. None of them were wearing any gloves or masks. I've never seen so much support for freelancers or artists in the in the media um, as I have now. They both laid me off from just the advent of the, the outbreak. I'm anthropologist and author Veronica Kieran, and I am building an interview archive of stories and anecdotes that define this time in history to write a book preserving this experience for future generations. If you'd like to help preserve this moment in history for future generations, check out the show notes to sign up for an interview. Cassandra Wolf is a social worker in Michigan. In this interview, she is open about her disabilities and how being blind and managing cerebral palsy while in the midst of a pandemic is both a blessing and a curse. That the pandemic has brought more access and more community but also has made it more difficult for her to feel safe about going out and managing her day-to-day -day work. I am a social worker and I'm working currently, my role is a rehabilitation counselor. I was living uh, in Grand Rapids, Michigan here with my husband. I remember seeing something in January one day when I was homesick. Um, to be clicking on some YouTube videos and there was a doctor like a promoted video of like COVID-19 and I remember watching it but didn't think much of it because I hadn't heard much else anywhere else besides this video so kind of um, just kind of pushed it out of my mind and thought maybe that was kind of like a fringy conspiratorial thing that was on the YouTube and then I guess my husband David was really following it and kind of had, he had like a whole file folder of NPR articles and just stuff that he was following. And one night, very beginning of March, I'll never forget, we were making dinner. And he said, are you, are you taking the precautions that you need to with, with COVID-19? Are you making sure that you're washing your hands? Um, and I was like, oh, I mean, I guess that's a thing that's happening now. Because at that point, it had been building up more in the U.S. and I was like but like I I don't really why are you so concerned and he was like Cassandra you have to think about you are in the immune compromised category and he absolutely reminded me that like my disabilities and my immune system is horrific because I was born premature and I have really really weak lungs my husband is not a sensationalist he is not one who is prone to believe conspiracy on any side he's very rational and very like searching for the facts so the fact that he was like on alert about COVID-19 it kind of gave some seriousness to it and the fact that he was more aware of my ability to be affected more than I was was like eye-opening for me but also really sweet too and I asked him like why do you care like <laughs> you know I've I'll, it's fine I've survived swine flu or whatever and he was like well as your husband 
it's it's my job to protect you as much as I can. And I know you would do the same for me. Like that's the whole point of our marriage. And I was like, oh yeah, that's right. <laughs> it was it was really his concern that that made me aware. I have it is serious. It is absolutely real. People are dying at alarming rates. And I am very much taking um, the precautions seriously. I'm masking up whenever I leave the house once a week to, to gather paperwork for my job. I have been working from home exclusively for the last 10 weeks. And I'm really concerned that with the stay-at-home orders having been lifted, that people are going to be lulled into this false sense of everything's okay now. Um, I've already seen people not taking social distancing seriously. Um, and so I think, I think the warmer weather is going to trick a lot of people into thinking that this pandemic is over and it's not. Very cautious about how much I'm out there. As much as I want to be out there, I lament so much all the things that have been canceled this year, all the people that I'm not able to see I am a huggy person and I miss hugging people. The last person I hugged was a gentleman at church the Sunday before we all locked down. Um, and I wrote to him about that. And I was like, just so you know, you're the last person. <laughs> um, so yeah, it's hard, but I, it's serious and it needs to be treated as such. Well, immediately I thought I became very introspective. So that was a struggle for me because I'm a, a civil servant as a social worker. I have a caseload of about 85 people, all of many who are immune compromised. And yet immediately I was concerned about my own safety. And that was something that I really had to wrestle with and reconcile of my desire just to be home and kind of shut off everything when my profession and my ethical obligation to my clients was to still be serving them as best I could. And so I really had to kind of work through that. Um, I think the policy that our office put in place was helpful. Whereas we are working from home, we're doing telework, we are not pushing people to continue with services if they don't feel safe, because the whole point of my job is to help people with disabilities to find jobs. And so many of those people don't feel comfortable to go out and venture in today's job market. And there's not much of a job market for them to venture into. So it's been a lot of recognition of my own, um, my own health concerns, my own limitations, bodily and professionally, as well as um, recognizing looking at it from a, a global perspective of what does this mean for people that are impacted. Additionally, um, I immediately recognized that as a disabled woman, working from home suddenly made my disabilities not nearly as interruptive in my life. So I have um, cerebral palsy, which is a uh, physical disability that impacts all of my nerves and makes me uh, very tired. 
I deal with chronic fatigue, uh, chronic pain, and a lot of spasticity and, and immobility. So in addition to that, I am also legally blind. So I rely on public transportation to get places. Often my commute to get to and from work is four hours a day. And so that longer commute is taxing for anybody, but especially taxing on my body because of CP and the way my body doesn't know how to respond to stress or constant movement. And the one thing I recognized acutely during this stay at home time was that because I was home, I no longer had to live in this tension of being a professional and being someone whose body has very specific needs. And I realized that in my life, I had been pushing that tension to be a professional. And I was often ignoring my body or making excuses for what those needs were because I wanted so badly to just work like every other person who didn't have these disabilities. And it was a beautiful relief, but also heartbreaking to see I didn't have to live in that tension anymore. And I could both work to the best of my capabilities and I wasn't harming myself in the process. And to recognize that I'd been living in that tension um, for so long was startling. And I hope that it's taught me to not, to that tension doesn't have to be there and I can, I can be graceful to myself and I can take more time away and I can advocate for myself to work from home more when I need to, rather than just sticking with the status quo of what's expected in an eight to five job. I think technology has become a wonderful tool for us in the pandemic in ways that maybe uh, we haven't thought about as a society before. So uh, the moment that they said we were gonna start using telework and I had heard that other people were doing that as well, I, I said to another counselor, I said, well, isn't that interesting? People with disabilities for the last 30 years with the Americans with Disabilities Act have been vocal about telework options and telehealth options because the disparity is huge. And now suddenly all of the world is rendered disabled on one level or another. And we are with open arms saying technology is accessible. We are thinking critically and innovatively and creatively about new ways to live in a new normal. And I genuinely hope that that, that in, continues, that we don't go back to the way things were, that people recognize, yes, having telehealth options is better for people. Yes, having church churches stream their services or have Zoom Bible studies makes a faith community accessible to those who might have challenges to get out the door on a Wednesday night or a Sunday morning. All sorts of ways that we've, we've changed. I think technology has been such a gift in this time of COVID-19 that I kind of chuckle that it had to take a pandemic to get the rest of the world to notice, um, but it's here. I'd like to believe that this might have happened if there weren't a pandemic, but just as one example, my the church where I'm a member, they created a, a playlist 
of songs of encouragement during COVID-19. And they invited all the church members to add music to that playlist so that we could all be encouraged and connected and united during this time where we are not meeting as a, a corporate body every Sunday. I it's great, it's been a blessing. I've loved playing it. And um, you know, that's been one resource, but I remember thinking, how cool would this have been if this playlist was just something we did as a church in general, that we didn't need a pandemic to kind of light the way for that. Um, additionally, you know, my church has had a podcast every two or three days where they interview congregants at the church about how they are following Jesus during this season and what does it mean to live faithfully. And that's something that I would not have seen had it not been for the pandemic. And I'm hearing voices from members of my church that I don't get to know every Sunday. I don't get to see them. You're kind of in, you're kind of out. Um, and yet this time has given all of us a voice and a platform to connect with each other as a church community in ways that we wouldn't have before and haven't before. Yeah, I think they have, they had like 27 episodes in the last three months that the pastors just thought needed to do. So that's 27 different people in our congregation who are sharing their stories. And it's been, it's been such an encouragement. Thank you for listening. Subscribe so that you don't miss an interview. I interview multiple people a week and I am releasing these episodes as fast as I can. And if the story meant something to you, share it because it will probably mean something to someone else. Every time you share the project, it helps the project grow. So thank you. Until next time, stay safe, stay well.